The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. If we're trying to get the guests comfortable, how far can we simply just be with them? Whatever state or form that takes. I feel more comfortable with people who can make more peace with vulnerability, but that doesn't mean it's a problem if they're not. I'll do more. I'll be more active in those shows because I'm playing and I'm having fun and I'm enjoying. But if there's an, a person, like the answers they're giving me are very programmatic. There's a part of me that's less driven to ask these questions. I'd rather share fun space with them. It's the way I learned how to survive from childhood. Everyone was emotionally shut down. Everyone was pretending they weren't suffering. They were acting in ways that weren't fully owning what it was going on in the room. So I would make levity of it. So on the show, it's an extension of that kind of behavior. We hold space. Yeah, we're more interested in simply being with them without an agenda than getting anywhere or anything from them. It's a wonderful chaos. Tandem. We work to find rest and fight to find peace. Both head and the heart. Like a nephew and niece. What are we doing here? You mean listening to this show? Where the more that you learn is the less that you know. Where the wounded are healers and the atheists pray? It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. We are today discussing. Doing, being, doing, and being, doing, being, being, doing. How is it that sometimes we get so stuck in doing that we forget what being feels like? We become human doers. And how is it sometimes that we get so stuck in being that we don't do anything? We're going to discuss that fun dichotomy. Being versus doing. There's like a, I would almost say there's a holding in my own head. If there's a person above, like that's always looking at Andy, right? observing him like he'll say oh andy you're getting stuck in the doing again or andy i see you like being but is that also making satisfying you Mm. and i in my life before i was feeling the movement of that i would always feel uh if i wasn't doing that i was judging myself I would judge myself for not doing. Hmm. So as I was doing things, it would be more out of anxiety that I wasn't doing things than flow. And making peace with boredom and allowing just the being part of life is something I'd say is come with age. Yeah. He bought me a book. Actually, he recommended me a book which was called Doing Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, I didn't even read that book. I gave you a book I never read. (laughs) Read this book, Bambos, Doing Nothing. (laughs) And you read it. I read it. It was very short. (laughs) (laughs) What did you take away from it? You know what? What? It's one of those books which talks about the doing nothing. Uh-huh. And back then, like looking back now, it's like, oh, it's just um, another another concept. 
Oh yeah, sure it is. So, oh, but but the concept. Can you do you remember what the concept was? No, you, no, because you because I just didn't find yeah. it interesting. Yeah, I think I could write that. You know, it's there's a paradox often in life when you stop trying, all of a sudden things happen. At least that's the way it has been for me. So I think I told you in Christmas I wanted to start writing the third book. Yes, and each time I started to try and push myself, I wasn't writing. So it was as if I was like saying, I want to do, I want to do, I want to do. And as soon as I'm trying to do, then I wouldn't get any of the flow. And then, mm. as I told you, I start walking every day. You know, I'm, I think I'm on a streak now. I've got over 70 days where I've walked over 10,000 steps a day. Why do you smile? Proud of you. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? But so, and, and, and through the walking and doing actually what you might say is nothing, all of a sudden I write like a fiend. Like, you know, I've easily written at least 23 or 24 chapters now. Mm. So there is some funny, funky thing going on. Yeah. So how, how do we define your walking? How do you experience it? When is it, when is it becoming a doing? And uh, when is it becoming a being? I love that you say that. There's some mornings I wake up and I do feel I've got to do. <clears throat> and then a heaviness comes on the walk. There, there's a, a feeling of heaviness. And what I've seen myself do is surrender to that. So not to, not to, uh, not to ignore it or pretend like it isn't there. Mm -hmm. And then I feel into how I feel at the end of it. And then immediately I see how well I feel. And that, that feeling of wellness compels me to walk because I know how well I feel but through walking. So it's a doing. No, well, that, that's what a, I'm saying. And then I was going to say, it feels less like a doing in that state. If I just did it and I feel I have to do it, it would feel more burdensome. Hmm. So today when I looked at the subject, Andy, I, yeah. I mean, I had to, I had to look a little bit like zoom out of my own life and just okay. see where are the doing doings and, or where am I being productive? Mm. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm going to go to the breath work cause that, that to me has been a lifesaver. Hmm. And there's consequence when I don't, when I haven't done it. Yeah. So in, in a way, I would say it's similar to what I hear you saying. It's really nourishing. And I kind of do see that there's a doing there. Yeah. Which is necessary. Yeah. Well, I would almost then call it discipline. There's a discipline you brought into your life. Yeah. There's a, you know, I like to work in terms of uh, X, Y axes a lot. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and why should this topic be any different? I see the X axis as usually the gentle trait, and I see that as the being side of things. Yeah. And then I see the Y axis being the doing side of things, which is the Y or the masculine, the, the doing. Yeah. So if I look at the X and the Y and I see sometimes 
I'm doing and not being. And what's interesting mm. is that one sometimes calls that flow. They're in a flow state. But I don't necessarily call that flow for me because there's a not a consciousness in it. It's not grounded. It's not grounded. Yeah. So that would be a time when I could spend hours and hours. I would stay up to one or two in the morning when I was with Ronnie when we were going out. And I would be so excited by what I was doing that I would actually, my body would deteriorate. I wouldn't feel good in the morning. Mm. I wasn't taking care of myself or eating well. So one would say you're in flow, but actually it wasn't sustainable. I don't feel like I was being as well as doing. I was doing and it felt exciting. I think a lot of people confuse that state for a state of where they want to be. Nice. When I say confused, what I mean is there's a cost to that state people aren't looking at. And they call it flow. And I would say there's a trap in the idea that flow is a good thing when you're not also being. Mm, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And and on the other side, if you're if you're taking the X axis and you're going far out on the X axis of being and you're not doing then there's nothing wrong, inherently wrong with that either, right? Yeah. As there's nothing wrong with being in that flow state, there's nothing wrong with just being. And and as long as the context you're in is, is, is being served and you're serving yourself, then that's just great. What I laugh at is what I've seen a lot of people when they are in the being state they desire more of the doing, right? Because they want to do a business. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a, a, a therapist. I'm a this, I'm a that, which is all about grounding and finding their state of being. And the, now they're like, oh yeah, but I have to monetize it. So now they get into the idea of how do I start doing? Hmm. And on the other end, if you have someone that's a big doer, but not really mindful, then they'll say, oh my God, I've got to go to, I, I'm exhausting myself with work. I got to go to mindfulness practices. Or jacuzzi or or however they anything, release it yeah so there's and so for me the sweet spot i found in my life is how can i continue to do and be conscious and feel grounded in that so that i so that it remains sustainable yeah. and that's what i've noticed in the last few weeks with writing for me has been this very grounded space i sometimes i wake up at three in the morning i write for two hours and then i go back to sleep for three hours and sometimes I don't wake up and I don't write. In the last two or three days, I haven't felt the energy to write. So I don't, I tried to once and I saw it wasn't working and I didn't get down on myself. I said, okay, this is just not, now I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was nice. the feeling. And I think the paradox, if we call it, looked at it as a paradox, is can you do and be simultaneously? And if so, what does that look like? That's the question we're really sitting with. Mm. Well, a lot of you know I've used the word I do cold emailing. And, mm. and the friend asked, what does that mean? It is finding companies and sending out a campaign, offering my services. And I, I, and I hate, hated doing it. Uh -huh. I like hated. Like I, I, I see that I would find a lot of things to do before I would actually get to that. And sometimes I wouldn't get to it. And how I, I had to find a way to enjoy that 
part of my business because it was necessary to create mm -hmm. a funnel. So what I did, I invested in a standing desk. Uh -huh. I, I have an app which guides my breathing and sometimes it's music. But then while I'm doing this, I'm also breathing. Uh -huh. And there's no holding. And uh -huh. so at the end, I've kind of dedicated to two hours a day, which is still quite a lot, but... It, with a nice break in between, it's really just I, I leave I leave my desk feeling satisfied, mm. and I notice because I'm not coming from a pressure to have to do it, but now I've created the conditions for me to want to do it mm -hmm. and to have fun doing it. That I've been getting a lot of responses, yeah, and I, and like really surprised a lot of responses, and even if it's not direct uh, work at the moment, a few are. But there's been a lot of people just sharing gratitude. They love the work that I'm showing. They love yeah. so that and and I and I don't know. Like I I can't say that my energy pushing the keyboard buttons and sending out these emails are having also an impact. Let's put it this way: the way I hear it, and I've never I've never seen it not work the way you're describing it in my own life. Mm. And you know how I work is that. If I fight for an outcome, if I'm trying to get somewhere, then all of a sudden I slow down and say, how can I be more present with where I am now and move from there? Because if the energy you give to another is more I need or want something from you, then you notice immediately that that is a repelling energy. I call it the law of physics. It's like if the it's it's what is it newton's third fourth law whatever his law is every action has an opposite and equal reaction so if i'm pushing that person then obviously that person feels it subtly yeah. and then they move away and uh and I'm just, so what i'm hearing you say to me in this case is that andy i'm actually finding peace in my body and i'm moving from that space and i've always seen that creates uh kind of a call it like a vibration which mm. other people can feel and they just like to be around that energy and that draws them closer to you. Nice. So that's, that's the way I've experienced in my own life. Yeah. yeah. And, and I've also noticed in my body, if I have a day where I really feel tension, yeah, it's a little bit like you, I will not send out an email because it's just not going to be productive. Yeah. I'm not going to enjoy it. Uh, and then I'd rather do something completely different, like yeah. read a book, go for a walk. And, my workdays, funny enough, have shrunk. I'm mm -hmm. I'm I'm working five hours focus. Yeah, with, and there's like, cooking every day. There's my trainings and my breath work. So <clears throat> there's my 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 life at the moment as a bachelor is really structured to sustain me. Yeah, so productive and healthy, <laughs> like these are the two things which I feel are important right now. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think I told you I'm living the same way nowadays because with the walking three to four hours a day, basically everything that used to take me a lot more time to do my administration or the writing or a rewrite is compressed in a smaller, call it, time envelope. So the time I give to it, I'm usually refreshed and I give very, very thoughtful, quick time to it and things get done much quicker. So um, even when I'm feeling less productive, things still get done quicker just because I don't have time not to do them quicker. Mm. So I, uh, I, I, and I, I would say 
that, you know, there's only so many hours I can work in a day before I become unproductive anyways. Plus the podcast every day. Yeah. Plus the podcast every day. And coming up with new show ideas. Yeah. That's how I play, though. There's no work involved in that. Yeah. But it, it sounds like in, let's use the words being, in, in finding ways to be, you can source yourself into the doing. Yeah. It, it, when you said it, I was immediately feeling into the process of writing. So as I'm being, whenever I write from that state, everything flows. If I'm thinking and writing, it never works. Mm. If I'm feeling and allowing that to channel through my typing, then it, it, uh, it just comes. It comes very effortlessly. But once I try to get somewhere, that's why I don't ever write with a, I don't even write an outline before I start writing because I already see the outline imposes structure and therefore I lose the creativity of the actual journey of what I'm learning as I'm writing. Because sometimes I write and I learn from the writing that I've just written because I'm not really feeling like I'm, I'm knowing it ahead of time. I'm letting it come out and I'm like, oh yeah, that is true. And then I expand on things that I'm learning as I write. I think the, one of the things I've learned about writing is you'll know how clear or unclear you are about a subject once you start to write about it. Because you might think you understand something completely, but then when you start to write about it, you realize how you can't make it coherent. Mm. And you're like, oh, I really don't understand this. Or I don't understand it well enough to articulate it in simple terms. Yeah. Hmm. Bowl along, I type. I type. I don't write. I don't know about you, Bolong, but writing left the left the universe about twenty years ago. <laughs> it, it, it's so nineteen ninety for long, but I still do it. Um, sometimes I'll do an audio. I did the last book with audio recordings, but I found it. I could only do it that way because I was journaling. Um, I was journaling stories, and I needed to remember the stories. But in general, I like to. I like to type. I typed all my. All of the books have been written on my iPhone. They've all been written on the iPhone. Yeah. I got a signed book from Andy today, but it was written. True. <laughs> and it's to be or not to be. Funny. The Shakespeare. That is the question. To I, be I, or I, not to be. I think it's always being conscious. If I'm doing to fully own it. And if I'm choosing to be, to fully own it, there's sometimes the danger that I can't be and I can't do. And then you're like left hanging in the middle with guilt and shame, guilt yeah. and shame. And, yeah. and that's, that also creates a lot of, so sometimes it's really healthy, at least in my body, to let go. Let it like walk away. Yeah. I love the way, what, what you're saying is kind of going back to the whole, we always bring Carl Jung back into the show. Until You've made the we bring the unconscious conscious, it'll define our lives and we'll call it fate. Yeah. And I hear that often in my own head is like, wherever I am, it doesn't really matter. Heightening the consciousness of the state we're in is just a beautiful way of not getting stuck in that state as if it's anything good or bad. It's just, oh, I'm aware that I'm in the more of being. Mm. And you'll see me, it hasn't happened in a while, actually, but there would be times when I'd say, I just need to binge watch Netflix. 
I just need to, I need to sequester myself from the world for a good week until I'm so bored with this shit that I, I don't even know what to do with myself. And, and in a way that was me saying, in a way they were still sort of doing in that because I still was watching something. So there was a distraction. I can't even say it was really being, but there was an aspect of me surrendering. I would say it's more of surrendering to that and not judging it. And then saying, Hey, this is where I am right now. And I see that the more I surrender to whatever state I'm in and love it, the quicker I just evolve through it again. Yeah. Ronnie is watching the show. This is us. It's a show which is very hard for me to watch emotionally. Like I, uh, is this Netflix again? It's a uh, Amazon prime. There's a lot of shows that are difficult for you to watch. No, like, no, no, no. This is, you... this is the one that's like, Oh, like difficult for difficult, different reasons. The one might difficult to watch because there's injustice. Like that's, um, uh, like there's a show that I haven't seen yet. I don't know if I can after Friday show called I care a lot or something like that. It's on Netflix, I believe, which is about the guardianship that we did on Friday. Yeah. I think that would just give me too, too riled up at the moment, but the show, this is us. If you haven't seen it and you're sensitive, probably avoid it. Like every show is intensely sentimental, like pulling at your jugular of like sentiment. And it's a lot to do with a father that died in a fire um, when kids were quite young. So it pulls me directly back to my mom dying. So when I see the incapability of the characters in the show, immediately I feel my own pain at that age. Mm. And through their acting and how they play out, I remember how incapable I was. And therefore I feel that sad part of Andy that I forgot about sometimes. Like I forgot how incapable I was at that moment after my mom uh, was killed. Yeah. And I share that. I don't know why at the moment, but there was just something that came up for me with the, uh, with watching these Netflix series or whatever the shows are. Yeah. But that is in a weird way, Ronnie will often put those shows on and I'll see how they'll influence me. And I told her at some point, I can't, I can't have that show on anymore because it just brings up so much sadness that, that it's great to also be sad, but it's not like I, it's not like I need to bring that into my environment over and over again, mm. you know. I can imagine these shows are nice for people that can't access their emotions. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, if you wear your heart on your sleeve, then these shows can be really hard to stomach. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Being, doing, <laughs> being, doing. Where in your life at the moment? Oh, go ahead. I see you had something. Well, I was just feeling into. The idea of trying to attain one of those two states. Yeah. Like I need to achieve being or I need to achieve doing. Which would always, by the way, would always be doing. Because if you need to achieve wellness, you're still doing Unless you get hit by burnout and then, mm. <laughs> then you're forced into <laughs> being. You're just forced into being. <laughs> um, on Wednesday's show, we're having spiritual stress. <laughs> Did you see that? No. I switched the show. 
um, because our Wednesday guest couldn't show up. We'll do another time with Ian Hale. But on Wednesday's show, it's spiritual stress. And spiritual stress comes from thinking you need to be somewhere and pressuring yourself to get there because spiritual people or spiritual language says, this is what you're supposed to have attained if you actually have done the right things. (sighs) And then you stress out because you're not there. (laughs) And then you start going to yoga, you start going to practices, you start going to trainings, and then you're doing, which is the humor of it, in order to be. And you're putting the pressure on yourself of, 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 of being, you do, you're going through the process of doing, 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 because you have the idea of what it means to be. And then you can have burnout in the end of that as well, of course. Autism. Autism is really fascinating mm-hmm. for me because I have also a friend. I've got a couple of friends, actually, who have autism. Mm-hmm. I and, and <laughs> thank you. And, <laughs> and it, it when I'm with them, I'm always amazed because it feels like they're in a constant presence of what they're doing. Yeah. Like there's this laser focus. And ev- even when, and they might say the most absurd words because for them, it, they're sharing an experience yeah. and there's no taboos because they don't attach a value judgment. So, um, mm. Like the most let's let's personify the person you're talking about by not 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 by name, but by by characteristics. And I know a few of these characters in my life. They break down everything in logical terms. Yeah. And normally they're really intelligent, highly intelligent and and trying to understand emotion through logic, which never works, which. Yeah. Not in terms of making them understand it better. They understand, they think they understand it better, but they never can embody it because it's a logical understanding and not a embodied one. And I, I'm not like what I've seen with this individual, he might do um, like things like ayahuasca, DMT, mushrooms. And because because I'm not having his experience, I can never say if he's not feeling, yeah, but he's just not able to put words to it. But but you're interacting with this individual. Yeah. When that individual, are they connecting to you in a way that you kind of recognize yourself in them? No. And like if I've learned anything about a wonderful kill, Sandy, is just because I can't relate – yeah. It doesn't mean that it's not there. No, of course not. Yeah, yeah, no. Oh, oh, let's get that clear. I think the people that are often least capable of expressing their emotions are often the most emotional. They they don't express it because there's so much emotion that like, they don't even know how to like access your, like it. Like your wife you mentioned recently. Yeah. Yeah, because on the show, I'll often share Ronnie is far more logical than I am. You know, when she goes through, she's, you know, on uh, if you look at graphs, she she does problem analysis. Like, I don't think about the problems as much as she does. I think of what are the things we want to do and what's getting in the way. She'll tell me all the things that are going to get in the way, like so that we don't even need to try it or do it. Right. Yeah. But what I what I've seen in our lives is and I see them at critical moments. Like I told you when I was told my dad died, like the news was so overwhelming for me. I couldn't give it a place. 
And as soon as Ronnie heard my dad had died, she just broke down in tears. So her access to the her emotions so much greater than that of mine. Yeah. I got to the tears through Ronnie's tears and seeing her cry. It was like allowed me some, some the space to cry. It felt like she was holding space for me to find my own tears. I mean, I, I wrote her a last letter, right? And mm -hmm. I didn't expect her to cry. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she read the letter. She came upstairs. She hugged me. And she says, you're like family to us. Yeah. And Because um, I, I never saw her in that in, in that mode. So I really, she she kind of turned, twisted my mind in a bit. Like, wow, I had, I had you uh, figured out wrong. Oh, is that right? You thought her? No, but Ronnie, just to make clear, she's no way aut autistic. She's autistic for me is the inability. Uh, oh, I never thought she was. No, no, I know. But we went from autistic to Ronnie. So I wanted to clarify that, that in a way she sees and experiences emotion and then she feels safer in some environments to let them be expressed or, or shared. Where when I've interacted with the people, individuals we go back to with your environment, they're actually people who experience emotion through, as far as I could see, a lot of explaining how emotions work but not necessarily connecting to those emotions in the way that society uh, uh, understands them. It would be Experiences like- Experiences them. Yeah, so if, if, if you're crying, it's like, oh, I know you're sad because I know you're crying. Yeah. But it's not like there's this empathetic <laughs> state where I understand that because I feel tears in me. Yeah, that, that's yeah. the thing. Uh, I might be crying and, and he might be just like, like, Stone-faced. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so, and going back to the show, when when you are uh, being, we can't say what being is for another or there's no judgment of that for them. But what we can say, for, at least in my case, is I connect being with being connected to the emotions that are active while I'm doing. Nice. And that's where I see in myself, it's sustainable. And I'm, I'm less likely to make problems in my life. Uh, explain the last part. Uh, so today, I won't go into details about the individual or the full story, but there was an individual. There'll who, be a behind the scenes video for that one. <laughs> who unconsciously judged me for something that I had said or consciously judged me, not even unconsciously, consciously, and they were offended. Now they offended and they used the word, Andy, that is not appropriate. That is not appropriate. That's not appropriate. And what I hear in my head when someone says it's not appropriate, I hear that they're judging something and they're not even aware that they're judging. So they're using an outside, call it a uh, uh, judge and jury that they've created in their own heads. And they say, hey, this is appropriate or inappropriate. And then once you've done that, you can actually, uh, you can comfortably judge another person from a distance because you're not judging them. It's just not appropriate. So you take no responsibility for the feelings that you've, they come up for you. 
you you get a judge without actually having to hold yourself accountable at all. As opposed to saying, hey, wow, that really makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, and then allowing us to connect. So so um, when this individual did that, so here's what happened. So the being of Andy is like, wow, I hear it. I actually don't even want to have a discussion with this individual right now because it becomes a coaching session for me. I have to coach them on being able to see that they're judging me thinking that I have anything to defend. <laughs> like I have nothing to defend. I'm, I'm loving on this person, showing them deep care and concern. They can't see that. I understand that. But the fact that I, you know, so I just set a hard boundary and said, you don't get to judge me and pretend like you're not judging me. Period. And, and what that, what, what I, why I bring it forward is because I was being, and, and if I was just being and not also actively feeling the doing part of me, I wouldn't have been present with that person. I would have gone into the emotional, oh, this hurts. Oh, I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. It wasn't intended. Right. That would be the being part of me. Defending. Uh, it would be taking full responsibility for the thing, although it's not my responsibility to take. The doing part of me would have reacted differently to her. It would have said, hey, hey, you, this is not my problem. You have to take responsibility. You know, hey, I didn't intend this. What do you, you know, that, that would be the defensive. So for me, bringing, bringing those two together in this situation was feeling completely that it doesn't feel good to hurt somebody because that's obviously what happened see that they couldn't share that on that level with me. And now the doing part said, I'm going to hold them accountable, but I'm not going to blame them. I'm not going to, I'm not going to push them away. I'm going to invite them to see that there's something that they could look at. And if they choose not to, it's not a problem. But what I'm not going to do is pretend that they're judging. Nice. And using the idea of the word appropriate or professional, there's always those words that are used by people who think they're very mindful because they've created a rules in their head of right and wrong. And I just don't allow that anymore in my life. Like we don't get to judge another person under, or me. I won't judge you. You don't judge me. There will be judgment, but I'll share that. I won't pretend like you, that. You own it. I'll own it. Yeah. You know, on my coaching, the hardest thing sometimes for me in my coaching is when I'm seeing an individual making decisions, which I don't understand how it will serve them. And I see it defensive and I realize I can't live their life. So if I tell them what to do, then basically I take ownership of their life and their agency away from them. So what I do is very sensitive as I say, how do I own everything in my prejudices, my ideas so that they can see the humanity in it and yet make their own decision. Mm. So they won't feel as if they're being judged by me. They're just feeling I'm owning my space so that they can take it into account when they make their decision. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And you hope you're on an equal level because if they see you as a better, then you're still influencing them because they say, oh, if Andy or someone in hierarchy says it, then, then it must be right. So you need to make sure you're, you know, yeah. You need to make sure they you're 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 level with them. You have to show your humanity. Yeah. Hello, Guido. Hello, Guido. Nice to see you here. Thanks for the rant. Openness about the judgment. Yeah. Guido is the individual that would like to massage you for nice. the photo shoot. Guido, I'm ninety point five kilos. 
I don't know if you want to take pictures of a 90.5 kilo middle-aged man, but if you're still interested, I will talk to my wife and see if we do a photo shoot. And I can always slim him down. <laughs> <laughs> just for those listeners just joining us, Guido needs a, uh, a uh, what do we call it? A model for his, what is this? A practice? male model for a, for a massage photo shoot yeah. and a little bit older. Oh, oh, I like it. Let's be diplomatic. A little bit older. Okay. Since when, uh, yeah, a little bit older, Andy Shalev. A little bit. Yeah. Because you are big, young at heart. (laughs) I am. (sighs) Bola Long says, at times I find the language of the mindful consuming so much energy. Yeah, that's what we said in the beginning. If it's if it's if it's on this on the um, on the is it the y axis the x axis the the horizontal axis yeah. is being in my in my dichotomy let's say yeah. and the y axis is doing the masculine so that that it would be exhausting and, and consuming if you're not grounded and if what they're saying is not grounded because sometimes people who are mindful are are also maybe eating a diet which is a little bit more airy and they're living here, so they might go on a run, and they're not even aware. They might switch like twenty subjects in like five minutes. Yeah, and and in those moments, I might be like, "Can we just take a deep breath in?" <laughs> and they'll look at me like, "What do you mean?" Like I notice you're going all over the place, and it's really hard for me to follow you. Uh-huh. Can we just take a deep breath in and see what what's there? And then they drop into the body through the breath, mm. and that will be my way of consciously controlling. Yeah, it sounds that way. <laughs> I um, I had an interesting discussion with our mutual friend Casper today, mm. and Casper told me that he just realized that a friend of his had um, was uh, was was socially awkward, and he's known the same. We've known the same individual for maybe seven or eight years. Okay, and and I and I was and it and it struck me. It took him seven or eight years to figure out he was socially awkward, and and for me it was like an instantaneous scene. So you always knew it. I I mean this is where I took for granted that it was obvious, and I tell you why, and it goes back to what you were just saying, is if I talk to an individual. And I immediately see that they're a little bit fast talking and they're not really here, but they're talking to you and they look around kind of, and they're not really feeling like fully present with me, but they're here. Then, then at that time they could be the sweetest individual, but I know that wherever they are, they're not sort of sitting in their center. Yeah. And, uh, and, and for me, there's no judgment per se of good or bad. It's just, Oh, I don't see that individual because they don't see themselves. They're not grounded in their experience and sharing it from their experience. They're talking and, as you mentioned, jumping from subject to subject, which we also do, right? There's no good, no bad. Yeah. In fact, it was nice. I liked it, that uh, uh, Guido said, I, I, thanks for the rant. You know, yeah. There is a beauty in just being that way as well. But there's a consequence of for it, which is what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, in, on, if if we do if we would do it on a show, if it wasn't grounded, then obviously viewers would uh, disconnect from us. I would think so. Yeah. And and I know the shows where that's happened. Me too. Yeah. I I can I can. Which one is the one that jumps out at you? 
Uh, don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> you, you know the show we did on um, where we didn't talk? Yeah. That that I had a lot of people saying that was one of their favorite shows just because it helped them connect. Uh, yeah, that was a show. We didn't prepare it. What was the title? The Thailands was the power of silence. Yeah. <laughs> and I think five minutes in, we realized how absurd it was that we were talking. And then we just went quiet. And we said we were only going to speak if it was important <laughs> enough to break the silence. If it, Yeah, if it needed to be shared. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That and, was really nice. Yeah. I mean, and then you said you wanted to do that every show. And I said, Bambos... I honestly don't feel anything is important enough to break the silence. <laughs> it's just a talk show. We're spending an hour with people. Guido uh, has written us back. He's seen if he wants me to be his next male model. Awesome point. Ha ha ha. I have the feeling that it makes the boundary less high for potential people middle-aged with pain. <laughs> it's not about the shape. It's about how we shape it from now on. Nice. So what you're telling me is that as long as I'm fat, but potentially going to be healthy in a few months, that's better than if I was really healthy because people couldn't identify with a really healthy person. Thank you, Guido. You got two weeks, Andy. I got two weeks to lose two kilos. <laughs> then he's going to say, I'm going to be happy. He says, Andy, you're just way too healthy for this photo shoot. I'll just make him fat. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Bolalong offers like, like, us like as well. Like this moment right now yeah. where we're joking and laughing, sometimes it goes so quick, like just that moment where I feel, oh, we're not, we're not in the being. There's too much. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. You caught it? Yeah, there's a boundary there. We've spoken about it sometimes, and it was why I didn't want to discuss the show by name. And there's times when a guest comes on and they're not necessarily as comfortable with being. And when I say being, if we ask a question, they don't allow it to come into their body and feel where they are at that moment, and then speak from that space. They go into their heads, take a memory of the canned response they've used before, and then we hear the memory of what it is that they are supposed to say. Yeah. And what I see I've done sometimes, and I've never really understood if it was a good or a bad thing, and not, not again, not important, but I've often used levity and play between us to create a show that feels a little bit more entertaining. Because mm. I think the consequence, if I were to ask questions to somebody who I felt was going to give me a canned response, I'd rather laugh with you and, and, and bring them into the humor and the fun than say, tell me, when did you get this quality? And then they're going to say, without a feeling embodied, uh, da, 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 like it'll be a canned response. And I, you and I will not feel connected to that. Yeah. I, 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 I speak for you, but I know in the 200 shows I've seen you. So I'll defer to adding levity and, and moving us in more of a direction of let's have fun with this person because I see that'll 
make my hour more fulfilling. Mm. But there is a lot of doing on those shows and it is exhausting for me afterwards. It's exhausting to be with you I in know. those moments. <laughs> I know, you told me. It, it was funny though, because on on that specific show that we're talking about, I, I did notice you high high tempo. Yeah. And, and in a way, I found it really difficult staying with myself because there were a lot of emotions coming in as an impact of being with you. So I couldn't mm. fully be with them because there was a lot of energy going on here. So I was like trying to feel, feel, feel them, feeling myself, feeling them. Yeah. And then I'm feeling Andy. <laughs> and how did you feel when you were feeling them? I, held, I remember holding my breath quite a lot. Yeah. 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 And by the way. Yeah. In in the past, like, uh, let's get this straight. Mm. Um, in Probably in the first 100 shows that we did. Yeah. It would have been difficult for me to be with such individuals. And I would shut down. Yeah. So. <laughs> and you judge as well, right? I judge, I'd shut down and I wasn't, and I would leave the shows feeling not mm. um, nourished because I had, the, I had the idea yeah, that a wonderful cause had to be vulnerable. People had to be open and connected. Yeah. And then what do we do when they're not? And, yeah. and then I would, there were, there were times I remember I would make the guests feel uncomfortable because by the way, I was asking questions let's let's call it manipulation yeah you were pushing them you were pushing them in their direction to be vulnerable but in the end guests didn't always feel comfortable in that because they could sense that there was this energy of trying to get something out of them yeah like they were not good enough yeah they'd call sometimes and say i'm sorry that i didn't i didn't answer question questions the way he'd want i have that sometimes yeah, yeah. so it, it's only uh, when we came back in december mm-hmm. in january because we had a, a break that i I felt that I, I found more peace with mm. that vibration. Yeah, yeah. And I noticed when we do a show, and let's go back to the the energy of the doing and the being, there's been three to four shows, and I know the exact moment it occurred where I was in a more of a doing state with the with the the person we had on. And then you would say, Andy, like slow down. You'll do the Andy, slow down. And then, and then what's going on for you right now? You'll ask them the, the question to center them. And I see immediately when they meet you there, it's like, bang, I just dropped down. The doing ends immediately. Mm. I remember those shows. And, and, and those are the best shows for me. Because from the moment that I'm in the higher energy frequency, right, the playfulness and the fun and the the, the more directed energy, because we're also contextualizing the show. Why are you here? What's your background? The no, the normal stuff, and then we're going bang, and we hit a deeper being. That's when it's like, wow! Now, now we know why we're doing the show. Mm. So, um, I, I would say when I stop people on the streets right now to say a wonderful chaos. I have to be in that high vibration. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> you, you like say, when I point to you, say, say, uh, a wonderful, wonderful chaos. chaos. And that's what I, that's it. That's the high vibration. Yeah. But you see how great that is on the video. Yeah. 
And it's hard if you're doing these people. We're here for an hour. People, what the hell are you doing? The 10 people <laughs> that are watching us right now, like you need to have some aspect of why am I here? And there's got to be vulnerability. And if the person is really answering in ways that aren't grounded, then you th- they feel it. I always laugh. Bolalong sends me messages after every show that really was a rough one. It says, oh, that was a rough one. <laughs> Thanks, Bolalong. <laughs> it's like, oh, funnily, I love that he actually is seeing how how we're navigating it, and and that there is just a beauty in allowing the doing part of it, which I might carry more of that energy, and then the being part of it, which is the energy you'll often uh, carry when on a show. Mm-hmm. And I think that the best shows are a bit of that, a bit of both, both of those. You need both. Yeah, and I and, think that's why people say we have a great chemistry. I would think so. And and I and I think if we don't celebrate that quality in each other one, then we'll judge it, and then that doesn't make for a good a good show because we're not celebrating that. Oh, this is more of a being show, or this is more of a doing show, or there's a that that sweet spot in the middle where all of us are synergizing and we're just meeting each other in that space, which I I just love. I love the dance. I love that most of shows we don't know a person at all before they come on. And all of a sudden, it's like you're on a dance floor. You don't know the music. The music's put on. It's like, okay, you get a dance together right now. And then and it's like, how do we navigate that time together? That's that's really wonderful. Sense and sensibility. Yeah. Is what comes up for me. Um, it, it also, hmm. there was a time in my life where I I used to coach men how to approach women. And I... I always judged the high energy. Yeah. I, I would project, oh, you're disconnected. Mm. And in a way, I when I look back now, when I heard you talk, I they probably were disconnected. Disconnected from I feel nervous, I'm gonna talk a lot. Yeah. And what I saw it was really difficult for a lot of men to take a deep breath in, look at a woman and really feel and speak mm. from what's really happening for them. Yeah. So there was a Norizen idea. If we talk a lot, there's a thing called let's fry her brain in, in, with emotions and, and quick, quick, quick jokes, fast, fast, fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden seduction happens. But it's, it's when I would see that play out, I always felt uncomfortable. Like yeah. I always saw confusion because I felt confused when I saw yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't hold space for your own discomfort. So you talk. <laughs> and w- when I would, when I would tell them, okay, the next woman that's going to come up mm-hmm. really feel sensations in your body and, and allow yourself to speak from the sensations. Yeah. I, I didn't realize though, that what I was asking them was really a big thing because in a way what that's really easy for me. And you're asking people to feel what am I feeling? What am I feeling? Well, it, just to <laughs> slow down a bit. You're asking them going back to our X, Y axis. You're asking them to be, Right. So to fully experience what's going on for them and to do, which is means to interact with them from that state. Mm. And what we've talked about with this, the news would be someone that's high in the doing low in the being. Yeah. Yeah. Bolalang shares following up from that point, why most radio presenters are such fast talkers when personally when personally, I enjoy people who have a relaxed style of talking. Because they're reading a script. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, when I hear, you know, it's funny. We've discussed this sometimes. When people do YouTube videos, you'll you'll see that they've written nice books and they're quite interesting as as concepts. But then you see them do their YouTube videos, and immediately it, they get less interesting because the way they speak is so didactic, mm. so fast paced and telling you that that there's a loss of part of that uh, of that interest that's what i've seen for me for sure there's there's another part of to that what a lot of people say how can you do a podcast every day it takes me forever to do a podcast and then i realize we do it live yeah it's uncensored mm-hmm. and a lot of times what I hear from people is that their podcast, they might record it over and over and over again yeah. to get it perfect. And of course you de- de- dehumanize it at the same time. Or sanitize time. it. Sanitize yeah. it. So in a way you, um, you, you, you put an image out there that you're very perfect. Yeah. So there is a lot of doing and not a, really a celebration as to also allowing you the vulnerability yeah. to be there. Yeah, the being part of it, which we both have made peace with, that we will make mistakes and we won't look perfect on the show. And that's also great. And if you don't believe us, watch the first hundred shows. <laughs> <laughs> Bolong writes, and I think that's really sweet. A Wonderful Chaos has this thing with getting their guests comfortable. And I don't know if we're trying to get the guests comfortable, Bolong, as much as we want to see and in, in how far can we simply just be with them in whatever whatever state or form that takes. And I feel more comfortable with people who can make more peace with vulnerability, but that doesn't mean it's a problem if they're not. But as I mentioned a moment ago, I will see I'll do more. I'll be more active in those shows because I also feel like, hey, um, I, I can't, oh, and I can tell you why. I don't ask authentic questions, Bambos. When, you, when you're in the doing. No, no, no. In the doing, I do because I'm playing and I'm having fun and I'm enjoying. But if there's an, a person and I already feel like the answers they're giving me are very programmatic and they've thought about them way before they've come on to the show, almost like send me all the questions you're going to ask before I get here. Which then, we don't do. Which we don't do. But immediately there's a part of me that's less driven to ask these questions. I'd rather share fun space with them. So there is, I'm pointing at a reaction in me. It is a reaction in me from childhood. It's the way I learned how to survive. Mm. Like everyone was emotionally shut down. Everyone was pretending they weren't suffering. They were acting in ways that were clearly obvious to me, weren't weren't fully owning what it was going on in the room. So I would make levity of it and I'd have fun and I wouldn't pretend, and that was how I survived. So on the show, it's an extension of that kind of behavior. Nice. Nice to... Uh... And, and I've been okay with it. I mean, but I also acknowledge that that is certainly something, which is when you told me, we had the talk two weeks ago, whenever the, when we had it, Andy, that show wasn't good. You told me afterwards. And that was interesting for me because I thought, oh, I thought we, and, and I use in quotes, salvage the show by making it more playful. And then you said to me, no, I didn't feel grounded. I didn't feel connected. And that actually taught me a lesson that, um, that wow, if the guest we're with isn't present, there's other ways that I haven't yet discovered to engage the topics so that maybe 
they become more grounded. Mm. And that's where I get to learn and, and, and grow, which wow. I really enjoy. And when I hear you speak like that, I, I feel spaciousness. Yeah. Nice. Uh, there's also, um, before we go to Burlang, there's also why people feel comfortable is because we're not trying to solve anyone. No. There's, there's a space. We hold space. Yeah, we hold space. Yeah, we're more interested in simply being with them without an agenda than getting anywhere or anything from them. I remember when the guest we had on a few, we had a, a guest, we've had a few guests on who've had emotional situations going on when they've come on, you know, the Friday show, we had the guest whose mother was actually, he was told that basically she was being taken off of life support. And now I'm wondering what the hell am I on the show with this person if that's the place he's in at the moment. Yeah. And I remember it was the one month anniversary or some anniversary of one of our guests from a, a, an important person in their lives who died. I don't know if it's the mother or the father. And I think for me, as soon as I hear that, everything moves to being with them. Yeah. It was really beautiful when you said, if you want to be on the show, we can do it. And we're just here for you. Yeah. Like that's the show. Yeah. I didn't want someone tells you that they're going to take their mother off life support. You know, the last thing I want to do is ask them like informational questions. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> it, was, it was painful in a way. Like how, how much, how much emotion are they holding that you're not able to allow to be expressed? Cause they're just trying to keep it together. So yeah, that was one of those moments. Hmm. Bolalong shares again, looking back on my life, most women I connected with was with no words at all. I love you, Bolalong. Yeah. You're a Jedi Knight. You say it best, Bolalong, when you say nothing at all. <laughs> Do you know that song? No. It's, it's what they say. You say it best. Here we go. When you say nothing at all. Here we go. To kind of connect to the subject again, I had an interesting conversation right before we got on the show on one of my coaching calls. And I said to the individual I was with, I'm doing a show on doing versus being. And their eyes lit up. And they said, oh, that was incredible because she got that from Daring Greatly with Brene Brown. Nice. I don't know if you've read the book. I, I've listened to it, yeah. Yeah. And she said what she took away from it was that she'd never learned how to be comfortable with not doing. Hmm. And that and that in the doing, that was where she got validation, where she felt like she got recognition from whatever the surrounding was, where she where she was making the most of her time on this planet. Like all of the stories that compel us to keep doing and doing. If you work hard enough, you can make it. Like all that narrative. And she said that one of the harder things in her life has been to allow herself just to be without the need to be doing. As a last thing, if, if people are on my Facebook, I always send personalized voice messages. Okay. And I noticed there were a few days last week where I didn't feel compelled to send those messages. Oh, yeah. So it got like... Yeah, yeah, you got the backlog. So it piled up a bit, uh -huh. but then 
but then I made screenshots of those so I don't miss them because Facebook will fade it out. Yeah. And then when I did want to send it, I, I, I could really tune into celebrating them, mm. sharing a memory mm. and what they mean to me. Oh. And it, it just so happened that one individual that we don't have any contact with really took me by surprise. Um, the individual specifically it, it judged me Mm-hmm. for not having any contact with her for the whole year yeah, and then sending her that message just because Facebook notification. And I just saw all these layers in me, like getting triggered, mm-hmm. can't you see, da, 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 da. And there was a moment where I saw that anything I would say would be defending. Yeah. And I didn't know what to say, so I just said... I sent a message pretty much saying, I do not know how to navigate this conversation. Mm. Yes, Facebook gave a notification and it it doesn't diminish what I shared. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I got another voice message back and and I saw I I got it today and I didn't have the space in me to listen to it. Yeah. It felt like it felt like almost... um, you know when you're a child and you're going to get a scolding and and you and you don't want to go into the living room so you stay in the yeah, corner yeah. like that <laughs> there's a theme in your life around that you know that yeah of course like women who you've had really comfortable conversations with who would desire more from you and you're like I'm just happy you know being in contact yeah and then they usually get kind of resentful because you you're not pursuing them why don't you read what i wrote to you today in your Bambos asked me to to give him a signed copy of The Wounded Healer. And I've been sitting with this for... A year. A year. <laughs> Since the book came And the out. book is literally on the side. I've been looking at that exact same book, but I have not... It would have been doing. Yeah. It would have been doing because it was like, I'm not just free to, to be as I'm writing this. So I didn't write it for a year just because I would have, it would have been programmatic. So last night I was lying in bed. I had my deep breath. I felt really in a Zen space. And then I picked up and I wrote. So I don't even know what I wrote, but it would be nice to hear you write it. Read it. Sorry. I dreamed about you last night, by the way. Beautiful. And in my dream, you were praising me. And then I woke up this morning mm-hmm. and I think you kind of liked several posts that I had. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah. Oh. So <laughs> the energy is, is, You're is going into maddening. My, okay. Bambos, I spent weeks looking at this book, wondering what I wanted to write to you. It had to wait because I did not want to experience it as a task. Something that needed to get done, I finally found my moment. As you know, I do not look at my life through the lens of achievement. Each day brings me brings its own discoveries, and being present with these makes life remarkable. Enjoying many of the moments with you has been a gift. I'm grateful for all that you do and the example that you set, which has inspired me. At present, this is clearly my health when it comes to your constant support of my writing. It is something I cherish. I write without thinking about if it will be embraced. Your embrace gives me a deep sense of peace that it has and will find an audience. I love you for all that you are. Wow. 
Thank you, Andy. Thank you. I can really feel um, the space that you had to create to write. Thank you. Yeah, I wasn't going to say, hey, thanks for everything. <laughs> really cool. Hmm. Thank you for joining us. This is us being sometimes doing other times and messing up a lot in between. It's a wonderful chaos after all. It is. We love you and we see you tomorrow. Tomorrow, guys. Wonderful chaos. So much more. Love you always. It's a wonderful chaos. We like it that way.